All right, we're going to be kind of all over uh, the good book today, and so um, just try to follow along. We'll have uh, some some slides for you to follow. Let me just say, this is just it's 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 crazy. I get it. Um, we're the church and and just culture in general is trying to figure out a way to navigate what life looks like right now. Um, and I just think when when the world gets dark, the sh- the church shines brighter. We are the light of the world. Um, we're shining bright the light. And in fact, Jesus multiple times calls the church a lampstand. So we're trying to even think about ways that we can make this city brighter. And so we, we, we covet your prayers. We would love for you to pray with us. We're praying for you. And uh, we're really excited about what's happening. I, I know that it's, it can cause some panic and some fear, but we don't have fear. Faith is the opposite of fear. So we have great faith that uh, in all things, in all things, even this thing, God's working for the good of those who love him, and we certainly do, and who've been called according to his purpose. So even in this thing, God is at work. And I believe there's going to be people that come to faith through this season. I believe there's going to be people that... Uh, uh, move in in their spiritual continuum during this season and we want to do everything that we can uh, to be a catalyst for that growth speaking of continuums that's kind of what we're talking about today when I was in Austin I did a um a ministry for young adults called continuum and a continuum is a group that's measured by two extreme points so you might have the good bad continuum nobody is good nobody that's watching is bad but we're somewhere on the continuum hopefully closer to good than bad Um, Our continuum that we're going to talk about for the next four weeks is a spiritual or faith-based continuum. So whether you're you're far from God or you're you're just like Jesus, which nobody is, but that's the goal. uh, We want to we're on that continuum, and and because we're not like Christ, but we're called to be like Him. Romans eight twenty nine said, "For those who who whom He's conformed to be like His Son, we're supposed to be like Jesus, and because we're not." We've got a next step to take. So that's what we're going to talk about is your next step. God has made his journey, this journey for you, incredibly clear, cover to cover. The first time that I find this journey is in the second book of the Bible, the sixth chapter. But it's all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament. And, uh, and I want to be your, your, your spiritual tour guide today. That's what I'm going to hope to do. I'm really motivated by this verse in Proverbs 29, 18. And I want to actually read it to you in three different translations. But in the King James Version, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. If there's no vision, the people perish. And if you look at the word vision in the original Hebrew language, it's the word hauzon. Not calzon, that's what you're eating for lunch, but hauzon. Halzon, and, and, and that means a revelation or a passion or a dream. Um, if you don't have clarity on what you're pursuing, and some of you, you're not pursuing anything. And, and if that's you, this verse says that those people perish. Now, you may not physically die, but emotionally you'll die. Your insides will die. You'll, you'll get up with this attitude of why am I even getting up to go again today? Because you don't have any house on, you don't have any vision, you don't have any revelations, you have no clarity. Let's look at the NIV. This is the translation I read out of most of the time. It says where there's no revelation, and that's just talking about revelation for your life. But where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. So you'll live this kind of crazy life. You'll live a life um, of just, uh, you don't really care how you live. You're, you're casting off restraint. And for some of you, you haven't been as good as you thought you should be, so you thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune into church today, online or on cable channel 2, 
I'm going to be a better person. You don't fix it that way. You fix it by having something in your life that's better than all those other things that you're doing right now. Here's the same verse, Proverbs 29, 18, out of the message. It's not really a translation. It's more of a paraphrase. But it says that people can't see what God is doing. They stumble all over themselves. If they can't see, if I can't see out the windshield, I don't know where I'm going, right? If, if I'm driving the car, if I can't see where I'm going, I'm going to stumble all over myself. But when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. One of the greatest things that our church can give you is to attend what God has revealed. Because when we do that and you live in that, you are, scripture says, most blessed. And blessed there, when, when I see the translation, some translations actually use the word happy. I don't like either word blessed or happy. Um, if you look at the original writer and what he's trying to say, he's talking about this um, contentment to your soul. That regardless of what's going on around you, so not really blessed or happy, but you've got a hole and it needs to be filled. And the best word that I can come up with is joy. And not like ha-ha joy, but a joy that even when there's chaos around me, come on somebody, there's chaos around us everywhere. But even when there's chaos, I have a peace and a joy because I know I'm in the path of God, like in my gut. Does that make sense? Now, how do you get that? How do you get that joy? How do you get that well, the psalmist David wrote it this way in Psalm 16, 11. It says, you show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So he says, you've given me a clear path of life and that's where I'm finding joy in your presence. By the way, joy in your presence is not tuning in to church today. We're glad you're here, but that's not where you find joy in his presence. Joy in his presence comes from I'm in the will of God. Like I know I'm in the will of God. Like if this is God's will, I'm in it. And the number one question I get asked by people, and I love asking questions and I love being asked questions, but the number one question that I hear is what is God's will for my life? And it's a great question to ask. Am I on the right path? And that's what I wanna help you do. I wanna be a tour guide today. I wanna help you find God's will for your life. One of the things that frustrates me honestly as a pastor is I know a lot of people who are settling for less than what Christ died for. Think about it. it, it you settle for less. You may be going to heaven. You may have a, a, a hint of what Christianity is all about. But if the Lord Jesus Christ is going to pay a high price by giving his life for yours and the sins of the whole world, wouldn't you want to have everything that he would have to offer you? Like, that's why we call ourselves Colonial Hill. I know, love that name, by the way. That's just our neighborhood. That's why it's called Colonial Hill. This is the Colonial Hill District. But we, we're going up the hill. We're climbing to the top. There's more. We want everything that God has for us. We're going to the summit. John 10.10 10 says, The thief or the enemy comes only. His MO is he comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's all he does. Like that's what he does. He steals and he kills and he destroys. And I see him doing a lot of that right now with this coronavirus. But the verse isn't finished there. He says, but I have come. Jesus says, I have come that you might have life. And not just have life, but I want you to have life to the full. Look into my eyes and hear me say this. That's a promise. God wants you to have life, but he doesn't want you just to have life. He wants you to have the best life, like a full life. Better life, some translations say. That's his promise. Too many people are stuck living in something way less than that. 
We're going to go on a journey, journey today over, and over the next three weeks on how to get all of that that God has for us. Now, I said a minute ago, cover to cover in God's word, God makes it abundantly clear. I didn't make this up. I didn't write this. Oh, we switched cameras on me. <laughs> I didn't write this. It's his words. He wrote this. Said a lot of different ways, but the principles remain the same throughout. Most of you, if you've been coming to Colonial Hill for any length of time, you've heard these things before. Uh, but my hope is as we talk about them, even if you're tuning in for the first time today, we welcome you. I want you to find yourself on this continuum. Where am I? on this spiritual continuum. The first thing that God wants is he wants you to know him, to know God. Everybody has a desire to know God, even atheists. Everybody has that desire. So we are created as triune beings, meaning that I have a body part, the physical part, that's the part that you see. I have the soul part, that's my emotions and my mental capacity, my thoughts. And then I have my spirit man, the spirit part of me. That's the part of me that's created in the image of God, Genesis 1:27, And that's the part of me that will one day return to God if I've given my life to Jesus. And so that spirit part of me is in every man. And so every man is seeking to know God, even people who don't believe in him. He's looking to find him. There are people who are, are looking to, to not know God, but to like know God in your heart. That's the word, like you know the person that's closest to you. I wanna know God. One of the greatest revelations you will ever have about Jesus and about Christianity, it's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. Jesus wants to know him, like to know him. We don't wanna grow a church or an institution. That is not why we exist. We want you to have a deep, personal, powerful, real relationship with the living God who absolutely is crazy about you. He loves you. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he loves you. He loves you. He knows what you did last night, and he still loves you. He knows what you were thinking last week, and he loves you. 1 Timothy 6, 21, this is from the Living Bible. It says, some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. That's the first step. Like that's the first step. We gotta know God and some of you need to make that choice today. And I'm gonna walk you through that in just a little bit. Here's the next one. By the way, you can't do any of these without the previous one. So they've gotta come in order. So you can't do the second one until you, you gotta know God first and then you can actually find freedom. And that means for you to get over your past, to get over your hangups, to get over your shame, to get over your uh, sin, to get over your struggles, to get over your addictions, habits, secrets, the part of you that you know that if it wasn't in your life, your life would be so much better. Like, you know, if, if, if this wasn't in my life, man, my life would be better. And I would do just about anything to get this out of my life. I want freedom from this. And so we'll try everything. We'll try pills and we'll try therapy. And I'm not knocking those things. Those things can help people. But John 8, 36 says, if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I'm telling you, you need Jesus. That's what's gonna set you free. So you know God and then you can find freedom. You're never gonna find freedom without knowing God. You're never gonna find real freedom unless you know God. He's come to set you free. Two weeks from today is Palm Sunday and I pray that we get to meet again in this room very soon. 
But even if we can't, Palm Sunday for me is all about the cross. If Easter Sunday is all about the, the, the resurrection, Palm Sunday is all about the cross. So we're going to talk about the cross. And that Sunday, I believe with every fiber of my being, there's going to be a lot of you that are watching they're going to find some real, true freedom. I'm telling you, I'm so excited about the message that God has given me. And I want you to, I want you to tune in. It's going to be a very powerful, powerful time together. So once you've found freedom, and only when you find freedom are you having the ability to discover your purpose. Discover purpose. Mark Twain said it this way, that there's the, the, the two greatest days in a person's life is the day they were born and the day they figure out why they were born. But a lot of us haven't gotten to that second day. You don't even know why you're here. You don't know what your purpose is. And it might be because you haven't found the freedom, right? We've got to do these in order. If you don't find freedom, you're never going to discover your purpose. Some of you still have issues. You're still messed up. And that's okay. God wants to set you free from all of that. But you'll never live out the purpose that God has for you if you don't get that stuff out of your life. Till you wipe the smudge off of your glasses, you can't see the future that God wants you to see for you. Does that make sense? I'm telling you, when you find freedom, you go, oh, now I see what life is all about. God has, by the way, a unique, specific, individualized purpose for you that is tailored to your gifts and your passions customized for you. And that's really what our next steps class that we have here at the church is all about. Now, obviously we don't have next steps today, uh, but when we gather again, which I'm hoping is sooner than later, I want you to come because that's the whole heart of that is to find that customized plan that God has for you. We want to help you discover your purpose. We'll do what Galatians 6, 4 says to make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given, and then sink yourself into that. Like that's what he wants you to do is make a careful exploration about who you are, how God made you and the work that he's given you to do. And then when you figure that out, you sink yourself into that. If you'll come to next steps, we'll make this become a reality for you so that you can do the ultimate plan that God has for your life in this continuum, which is to make a difference. God wants you to make a difference in somebody else's life. In fact, we're going to start with this one today. We're going to talk about this one because I think it's difficult to make a journey unless we know where we're going. So we're going to show you the destination, and then we're going to work our way backwards to Easter Sunday. The whole reason on why making a difference is so important is because of what Jesus said in John 15, 8. He says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He goes, hey, if you're a disciple of mine, if you're a disciple of mine, I want you to bear some fruit. I've got a mission for you. I've got an individualized, customizable plan for you based on your giftings and passions. And I want you to bear fruit from that plan. And here's what that does is it says, this is to my Father's glory. It gives God the Father glory. And that's what he wants for you. You've been looking for your life to mean more than it currently does and you're never gonna find it until you're living your life making a difference in someone else's life. And this is the best part, is, is there's more. I feel like an infomercial person, but wait, there's more. Verse 11, look at this. Three verses later, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So there's that word again. You got this hole to fill, you got this void somewhere. That's, that's filled with the joy. He says, my joy will be complete in you when you're making a difference with your life in somebody else's life. Now I'm gonna get on my soapbox for a couple of minutes. 
uh, because I'm a little frustrated about something. And I don't fuss much, but I'm going to fuss a little bit this morning. Um, I heard a pastor that said, uh, well, we're going to kind of focus on, we're going to stop growing as a church, stop worrying about this growth thing. What does that mean? Well, we're, we're just going to really focus on who's here, and we're going to try to really serve them and, and make sure that we're doing things that they want to do. What? <laughs> like, I, I love you, but, but I hate that plan for the people in your city who don't know Jesus. That's not a good plan. There's a gravitational pull, listen, in all of us, including me, to want to do what's best for me and what's best for you, to want to do what, what feels good for us, but that's not why we exist. That's not why we exist. It's not why you exist individually, and it's not why we exist as a church. We're on a mission. We have an assignment from God Almighty, and I hope to show you enough verses where you come to grips with this and you would jump on this team and say, yeah, we have a mission, we have a vision. As long as heaven and hell are real places, and they are, we have to be on mission for people who don't know Christ. We have to be on mission for people who don't know Christ. Jesus, on the night before he went to the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins, he was praying in this garden of Gethsemane. And as he's praying, as he's praying, he says in John 17, 18, in the same way, that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I love that. Why am I getting a, oh, we're going to this camera. This is good. See, we're just, we're communicating now. <laughs> he lived on mission. Let me read that again. John 17, 18. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission. In other words, he's saying, I've completed my mission. This is the night before he's going to the cross. I've completed my mission. And now disciples, church, I'm giving you the mission. That's what he says. Jesus lived on mission. In fact, when he was 12 years old, his parents went to Jerusalem. And as they're in Jerusalem, uh, they ended up going home. And then they realized that Jesus wasn't with them, right? How do you leave Jesus? How would you like to one that lost Jesus, right? So they, where's Jesus? Whoa, let's go back to Jerusalem. So they go back, and where do they find him? They find him in the temple, in the synagogue, and he's teaching these religious leaders. And Mary and Joseph are like, honey, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? And he says, what does he say? I must be about my father's business, right? I got a mission. I'm here for a purpose. Even when he's on the cross, what's one of the last things he said while he was giving his life for you and for me? He says, it is finished. Like, I, I have a mission. I'm here on a mission, and I'm leaving, and I'm giving the mission to you and to me. He never lost sight of his mission. In fact, let me say it this way. We are him now. We are Christ now. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, uh, Paul says, now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Christ was here. He had a body. He gave that body up for the sins of the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's gone now. He's resurrected. He came out of the grave and he went to heaven. Enthroned on an everlasting throne where he should be. And Paul says, now you're the body of Christ. And so if we're Christ, we need to do what Christ would do. We can't lose sight of the reason we exist. Do you follow me? Man, I know there's nobody here to say amen. I'll amen myself. Amen, that's good preaching, Pastor Reed. That's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. I've been here a year, and if you've ever wanted to know who I am 
and how I'm wired and how I think and what's, what I'm passionate about, I'm going to let you in, all right, in, into my world a minute. I'm all about the great commission of Jesus. I'm all about finding people who don't know Jesus and leading them to a relationship with Jesus. That's what I'm about. That's, that's who I am and that's who we are. And I really believe that's who God wants his church to be. So I feel like it's mandatory two to three Sundays a year to just remind us it's not about us. It's about him and his mission. And that's why we exist. And so if you're tuning in today, I'm honored that you would tune in today. And we're trying to reach everybody in this, in this community, everybody in West Texas. Paul said in Acts 20, verse 24, I love this. I don't care about my own life, he says. The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me, to tell people the good news about God's grace. grace. I love that. He goes, I, I don't care about my own life. The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people about the good news about God's grace. You say, isn't that your job, Pastor Reed? No, we know that because of Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I'm telling you, the happiest, most peaceful, problem-free people I know. And not because they don't have problems, because their problems dissipate. They don't think about their problems near as much as everybody else thinks about their problems. Those people are the people who know why they exist. My grandmother, uh, on my mom's side, she used to go to the horse races. And as a kid, she'd take me to the horse races. And uh, I, I enjoyed going to Ridoso and, and, and looking at the horses and uh, when you're at the horse races, you know, the jockeys are on the horses and they get the horses to run faster by beating them with a stick. Not very humane, but whatever. That's what they do to get the horses to run fast. Now, on the greyhound races, I've been to one of those also, and it's fascinating. The greyhound races, um, they, don't, they don't ride the dogs. They don't hit them with sticks, but you got to get the dogs motivated to go around the track to see which one's going to win the race. And so what they do, if you've never been, what they do is they, they take a, um, a mechanical rabbit and it looks like a real rabbit, but it's a mechanical rabbit, and it's on a track on the inside part of the, of the track, and it just stays a little bit ahead of the dogs, and so the dogs break the gate, and they just start chasing after this mechanical rabbit. So reading about this story in Florida, apparently at the dog tracks in Florida, the, 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 uh, the rabbit's going around, the dogs are chasing the rabbit, but halfway around the first turn, there was a mechanical malfunction, and the whole thing just explodes. So uh, the, there's fur and mechanical parts going everywhere. I mean, just the, the rabbit just explodes in the middle of the race. And the reporter that wrote this story says that some of the dogs just laid down on the track and just took a nap. And some of the dogs were kind of confused, and so they didn't know where to run. And so they ran into the barriers and actually broke some of their ribs. And some of the dogs turned around to the people in the, in the stands, started barking at them. Woo! <laughs> and I thought, what a picture of humanity. When you don't have a focus in your life, you take a nap, you hurt yourself, or you start barking at everybody else. <laughs> that's true. And that's funny. I don't care if you don't laugh, I'm going to laugh. That's funny. It makes sense why your life looks like what it looks like unless you have a rabbit to chase. Chase the rabbit. You've got to have something that you're pursuing. And that's to make a difference. Get something in your life that's worth pursuing, that you're running after. We have a different mission. You have a different mission, and I have a different mission, but we all have the same mission. Does that make sense? 
And I want to give you the final words of Jesus who took on all the sins of the world onto himself and died for those sins. Because the wages of the penalty of sin is death. But he goes, I'm going I'm to pay the price. You don't have to. And these are the last words that he said. So he's, he's uh, at the Mount of Olives. He's ascending. Okay, so he's, he's going up to heaven. And you would think, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, like what's the last thing? He's, whatever he said is the last thing might be a pretty important thing. What would he say in that moment? It's recorded in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, you'll receive power when my Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, what I'm going to ask you to do may be difficult for some of you. But you got my power. And he says, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they were staying. That's, that's where it was happening. Okay? So that's, he was talking to people who lived in Jerusalem. He goes, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right here. And then he said, in all Judea and Samaria. And those were surrounding areas, but here's the thing about Judea and Samaria, is those people weren't like the Jews. They weren't Jewish. They were Judean and Samaritans. So they weren't like Jews. And, and so Jesus is saying as he's being lifted, he goes, I, I know you don't like them very much, but they're, they're different from you, but they're also very close to you, and that's your responsibility too. And that had to be the most shocking part of that whole statement. And then he said, he didn't stop there. He was in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I believe with all my heart that that's our assignment still today. Is that we've got to reach our Jerusalem. We've got to reach the people who may be close to us but don't look like us. And we've got to reach the ends of the earth. That's the rabbit we've got to chase. Jerusalem. So I'm going to define that as those closest to you. So my first responsibility as a pastor is to take care of you. That's why probably 80% of my time is spent on preparing sermons for you and counseling you and in, in your families and, and uh, investing in your kids and developing kids ministries and doing your weddings. And uh, I, I love you. And, and you're my first responsibility. You're, you're the Jerusalem. We're here to make a difference, not just here at Colonial Hill and Snyder, but in West Texas. That's, that's our Jerusalem and our first responsibility. The second thing is Judea and Samaria, and those are close to me, different from me. And there are people that you know and that I know that we're not, we don't run in the same circles. We weren't raised the same way. We, we have different cultures maybe, uh, but I'm called to love them. And to preach Christ to them and to share Jesus' love with them. We may be very different. We may have different lifestyles and things that we do differently uh, as far as leisure activities. But that's somebody I'm called to love and minister to. And the ends of the earth. And that's those far from me. And that's why our church is so passionate about giving to, to foreign missions. So we, we gave over $50,000 last year to Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon. We're doing the Annie Armstrong Easter offering right now, which is helping North American missionaries, planting churches. And then we do the Lottie Moon offering at Christmas time, which is helping foreign missionaries, all these international missionaries. That's why we, spend, that's why we go to Brazil every summer. Is we, we try to reach the ends of the earth, and we want to expand our global touch. There are over 4 billion people who do not know Jesus on this planet. And we need to have a plan. We need to have a plan to reach them. We're on a mission. We're a missional 
church, and please, let's stay missional. That's why we exist. Let's stay missional. But not just your church. I want you to be missional in your own world. In your own world. You have people that are close to you. You have family and friends and coworkers and neighbors and classmates, some of whom are very fearful right now. And they're in your world. They're not my neighbors. They're not my coworkers, but they're yours. And I want you to, to minister to them, to love them, to be his witness. Right? And you'll be my witnesses in all Jerusalem. I want you to be there, the witness for Christ. Look at Jesus said in Mark 5, verse 19. He says, go home to your family and friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Right? Notice the language. He, he, he doesn't say, go home and tell them if they don't get their lives right, they're going to hell. Turn or burn, baby. And that's not what he's saying. <laughs> he doesn't say that. Right? What's our message? He goes, hey, let me tell you the difference God made in my life. When you think about the courtroom, it says witnesses. You think about the courtroom, there's four players in the courtroom. You've got the judge. We're not called to judge anybody. What are you judging people for? Stop doing that. That's not what he called you to do. You've got the prosecutor. You don't have to prosecute anything. You don't have to defend anything either. He says, you're my witnesses. What does a witness do? Well, they come and they tell their side of the story. Here's what I saw. Here's what I've experienced. Here's what I heard. And Jesus says, I want you to do that for me. I want you to say, here's what I've seen. Here's what I've experienced. Here's what I've heard. Here's what I know. Tell them the difference that Jesus has made in your life. And if you tell your story, nobody can refute your story. Why? Because it's your story. One of your best opportunities to get someone to church happens in four Sundays. Three Sundays, I should say. Three Sundays from today. And, and it's, it's Easter. In fact, studies have shown that a person who will give you a no every other Sunday out of the year is four times more likely to give you a yes on Easter. Now, I don't know if we're going to be meeting on Easter. I don't know how long this, this uh, social distancing is going to last. By the way, we are social distancing. Maybe, I don't like that. Maybe physical distancing is a better word. Uh, we'll physical distance each other, from each other for a while. Uh, but how do you maintain spiritual closeness? Well, you call on your brother and your sister, especially the elderly among us. Let's, let's love each other well. But glory to God, maybe we'll get to be together on Easter. But even if you can't, Find a neighbor who's not coughing and say, come with me. Come sit down and watch some, some service with us. I'd love to have Easter with you, your family and my family. What a great opportunity to give them an invitation. So I want you to make a difference in your own world, but I also want you to make a difference beyond your world. And there are people that, that don't necessarily agree with you. When you get on a Facebook and you post something, maybe it's something political or maybe it's something spiritual and they immediately start to contradict everything you've said, blow up your feed, God's called you to love them too. They're your Judeans and Samaritans. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Just find some common ground. That's why, by the way, in November we did at the movies. We got a little bit of heat from that. Like, why y'all showing movies? Y'all just a movie house? No, we're trying to find some common ground with people. 
Hey, you like movies? We like movies. Let's show some movies and show you the redemptive spiritual elements from these films. Right? I had a buddy in, um, <clears throat> in Austin named Will. And Will, we, we threw a big party, a big, uh, we watched the Longhorns play in a bowl game. And we threw a big party at our apartment complex and invited all of our neighbors. Well, Will shows up and he was the last one to leave. And I said, man, you must really like football because the game got out of hand and it wasn't even a good game. And he goes, no, I don't really like football at all. (laughs) Why are you here? He's lonely. And Will was lonely. So I said, hey, man, let's go to lunch this week. So we went to lunch and he goes, I forgot to ask you the other day, what what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, I'm an atheist. Like that was his job. I said, okay. And he goes, you know who Bill Maher is? And I said, yeah. And he goes, I'm like him. I'm I'm a big atheist. Okay. He goes, yeah, don't try to convert me. Okay. Right. And we went to lunch. And and for him, in that instance, I thought I'm not going to try to convert him immediately because he's already told me that his his radar is up, his feelers are up. So we went to lunch and we just talked about everything besides God. I knew that God would give me an opportunity. So I said, what are you into, man? What what are you passionate about? And he was passionate. This is so funny because this is not me, but he was really passionate about the Lord of the Rings. Now this took place, this is how long ago it was. The Hobbit movie had just come out and the Hobbit is kind of like, part of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's like an extra movie, but it's the same characters. And he goes, I love that. And I'm like, oh, wow, I hate that. I watched the first Lord of the Rings and it was three hours long. And at the end, they were still looking for the ring. And I'm like, what? I just wasted three hours of my life. So I said, I'm not watching the other two, but that was his thing. So I'm trying to find some common ground because that's what the Bible tells me to do. So he goes, hey, well, The Hobbit's coming out next week. And I, I thought, you know, just to refresh my memory, I'd watch all of The Lord of the Rings. That's like somebody watching all of the Star Wars before the new one comes out. It's like, that's kind of ridiculous. He goes, you want to come over? And I'm like, yeah. So I go over to Will's house and he's got all this, like, he, he was a great host. He was lonely. So he had all this, I mean, it was just this spread. And it was all these healthy things. Look at me. I don't know healthy food, okay? So everything, I'm like, I don't want to eat any of this. But I'm eating, like, celery and weird stuff and <laughs> but I'm trying to make common ground so we're you know and I'm asking him questions I'm like what, what's this guy's role and he's you know just you know geeking out on me and just excited about it and and I found some common ground so we watched like nine hours of Lord of the Rings then we went to the Hobbit and we watched it in the theater and by that time I built up a pretty good friendship and six months after we first met we're sitting at Payway And he starts talking about losing his dad. He hadn't lost his dad, but he called his dad earlier that day. His dad had lost his job. And he said, my dad is suicidal. And my dad took his life in 1992. And God just hinted on my soul. He goes, this is it. This is your moment. I said, man, Will, I love you. And I know when we first met, you said, don't try to convert me. And that is not my heart. If you never come to faith, I will not love you any less. And I mean that. And I think you know that. But I would be a really bad friend, a really bad friend, if I believed that Christ existed. And then he wanted you to have life, not just life, but life eternally and life abundantly on earth. If I believed that, and I never told you, I would be a bad friend. 
And so I'm not doing this, I'm doing this because I, and the most loving thing I can do is tell you about Christ. And so right there in Payway, I just shared my faith and man, he was leaning in. It was totally different than six months ago when he was really resistant to any God conversations. Why? Because I found some common ground and I made a friend. Let's find some common ground. I'll tell you, one of the best ways to find common ground with people, especially during this season, is to find out where they're hurting and help them. Seriously, find out where they're hurting. Think about all the people that are losing income right now. Waiters that don't have tables to wait. Right? Go give somebody an incredible tip that you frequent their restaurant often. Um, try, to find, try to find a mother, an expectant mother or a, a, a mother of a baby and find some diapers somehow, right? Share some toilet paper in Jesus' name. Whatever we gotta do, just, we gotta find a way to love people really well. Find where they're hurting and then go meet that need. Galatians 6.2 says, stoop down, and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens. And so complete Christ's law. We got some cards there, uh, acts of random kindness cards um, that we handed out to the church. And we just, it just says, um, God loves you and so do we. And it's just got our logo on the back. It's not really to promote us. It's really to promote him and his love. But we, we printed like a thousand of those cards. And within two weeks, they were gone. So if you have those, use those. Like bless people. Show them God's love. I had somebody <clears throat> so cool that has a, a local business in town and they came and personally ordered their own box of cards because they said, I want to give something away to every single customer that comes in to show them Christ's love. That's what I'm talking about. Making a difference. Stoop down and reach out. Hey, I want to bless you. Especially during the season because there's a lot of people that are hurting, that are losing their jobs, that are questioning where they're going to get their next paycheck or their income. Let's be a blessing, church. Make a difference in your own world. Make a difference beyond your world. And then finally, make a difference in the whole world. This is my last thought. But chances are, most of us are not going to go on foreign missions. But every day, you get to go with your giving. Every day. In fact, our church is one of the most benevolent churches. And I don't say that to boast. I'm just saying we want to give away. We gave away over $200,000 last year to church planning and to foreign missions and just helping the gospel get out of these walls to the ends of the earth. Mark 16, 15 says, Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. What's that mean, Pastor Reed? What's that mean? Invite people to church. What about, we don't have church. Okay, invite them to sit with you. What about people who aren't Christians? Bless them. Find a way to bless them. Bless them financially. Bless them by serving them. Bless them by mowing a lawn. Bless them. And then when you have it, you can't give what you don't have, but when you have it, be generous here. Listen, God has blessed us, glory to God. We don't have any debt. Everything is paid for. But we have millions of dollars worth of vision here. Millions of dollars worth of vision. And so if you can give, when you're generous, we'll do big things to advance his big kingdom. I'm telling you, when you do this, you're gonna find life. You're going to find life.
I'm going to ask Carrie to come, and she's just going to play. And here's what I'm going to do to close out our time together. Is uh, I'm going to pray for you. I want you to make a difference. I cannot think of a better time. Sorry, here comes Casey. Hi, Casey. I love that y'all just can switch out like that. That's great. I cannot think of a better time for us as the church to make a difference than right now. Again, the world is very dark, but we possess a light and it shines brightest in moments like this. So find a way to make a difference in your own world with your family, your friends, your classmates, your coworkers, your neighbors. Make a difference. I'm telling you, there's not a greater fulfillment in your life than when you make a difference in someone else's. Make a difference beyond your world. Not just in your world, but beyond your world. Try to find those people that don't think like you think and love them really, really well. And then make a difference in the whole world. And again, I know we can't go. You can't even get on a plane to go right now. But you can go through your giving. And there are people that are already on the ground. Our friends like Dave and Jill Holmes who are doing amazing things. And we can support people like that and hundreds of other missionaries that we support. I want you to say, I, I want to I give. I want to be generous because I know what God's doing and I want to be a part of that. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I love you so much. I'm so thankful for everybody who's tuned in today on Facebook and on Cable Channel 2. love what Pastor Josh said earlier, just that we're reminded of your faithfulness and so we must trust you in these present days. And I just believe that even in this thing that you're working for the good, that your church is going to be bigger and better than it's ever been before, that people are going to run to you as they do in moments of crisis. Salvation is going to come in Jesus' name. God, let the church be the church, not just say we're church, but be the church to live on mission you Jesus were on mission when you were on this earth and then you completed your mission it is finished and you gave that mission to your followers that's our role is to keep the mission may we always be a missional church not a maintenance church not keeping who we have reaching who we don't have God, at the same time, we want to love our Jerusalem really well. We've got some amazing people, and I love them so much. And I pray that those people be convicted by your Holy Spirit to do more, to make a bigger difference, to change lives by using theirs. For some of you here that are listening or watching, and you, you can't make the difference, really, because you've never discovered your purpose. You still don't know why you're on the planet and you can't really know your purpose until you find freedom and get cleared of all your past. Your glass is still smudged <clears throat> and you can't find freedom until you know God. And so I wanna walk you through a prayer that would help you to know God. Listen, there's nothing super magical about this prayer. They're just words. But if you're honest and you believe them as you say them, you'll be saved. That's Romans 10, 9. If you confess it with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, 
and you believe it in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So today, March 22nd, 2020, 322-2020, you can be saved. Right there in your living room, or in your car, or in your kitchen, wherever you're watching us from, you can be saved. So I'm gonna pray for you. And if you wanna pray with me, I would invite you just to pray this. Again, confess it out loud and believe it in your heart and watch God do something amazing, supernatural, miraculous in your room today. Lord Jesus, I do believe that you gave your life for mine. You took on my sins and the sins of the whole world onto yourself and you died on the cross. You paid the price meant for sin and you didn't give it to me, but you took it upon yourself. You were buried and that you rose again. And by rising from the grave, you beat death and you beat hell and you beat the grave. Say it. I believe it, Jesus. You beat death, you beat hell, you beat the grave. And you give me the power to do the same. By putting my faith in you today, I want you to be my Lord. Not just my Savior, be my Lord. I want you to lead my life. You're in the driver's seat from this day forward. I want to know you. I want to know you. Come on, not just mentally know you. I want to heart know you. I want to know you. I want to have a real, powerful, personal, intimate, amazing, life-giving relationship with someone who loves me unconditionally. Come into my life. Start me over. Help me to find freedom. Help me to find out why I'm here so that I can make the difference you're asking me to make. I want to live on mission in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our camera team to post. I've got something on the screen I want you to see, and it's a number. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to text the word SAVED. Text the word SAVED to this number. Hopefully it's on the screen. If it's not, I'll give it to you. Text the word SAVED to 325 221-3001. I'm going to give it to you again. Get a pen or something. Text one word, the word saved, to 325-221-3001. And here's why I want you to do that. It's not for me. It's I want to help you. <clears throat> As a pastor, I understand that there's some next steps you need to take. Again, we're on this spiritual continuum. You just took that first big Step. I want to help you take the next step. But I need to know that you know God so that I can help you find the freedom that you're looking for. So if you made that decision today, please text the word SAVED to 325-221-3001. If you do not have a cell phone, uh, call the church this week. Okay? Our number here at the church is, is uh, 325-573-8596. So I want to talk to Pastor Reed. Be honored to talk to you. Tell me the decision you made. I'd be honored to pray with you and to give you those next steps.